Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Opinions expressed are those of the hosts and not that of WVRC Media, its staff and management, or the distributors of this podcast. Number 13, you are listening to a Scoop Squad. Truth Squad, did I cut you off? No, you didn't. Sorry, I got excited. I know, right? But it's lucky number 13. We are 1-3. They haven't cut us off there yet. It's been great. It's been a great informative solutions driven podcast so far and tonight we hope to even get you know more down into the weeds with some more perspective and solutions yes i love that idea can you want to uh give a shout out yeah to our just, sponsors i'll give just a shout quick. out to really quick um we want to thank quinn computers in spring hill um I don't have the script in front of me, but that's they, okay. They do computers. They do my work. They're great. Oh, awesome. oh, super, oh, super nice people. That's JB Akers, oh, yeah. by the way. He's endorsing Quinn Computers. He I uses am. them. Um, they are a sponsor of the podcast and also T Graphics here in Charleston, West Virginia. Um, Two very we, smart businesses, businesses that have yeah. to have come on board to support diversity mm-hmm. in thought. Yeah, crazy diversity of thought so okay so let's jump right in we've got okay. um we've got jb acres on with us this evening first of all jb thank you so much for coming in um thank you you are a busy daddy um uh, and a husband and we really appreciate you taking the time you are a charleston attorney here in town um you were a formal former mayoral candidate back mm-hmm. you ran against amy goodwin 2018 in 2018, um, and before then, you were city clerk with the city of Charleston under the Jones administration. That's right. Yeah, so I've, I've been a practicing lawyer in Charleston since 1999, and then uh, during Danny Jones's last term, I was also the city clerk, which was a part-time position. So I still ran my law practice, mm-hmm. but I was the city clerk for the city as well. So I was involved. I was not an elected official. I wasn't a policymaker, uh, but I did run the city clerk's office. Okay. Okay, so... Let me just get the elephant in the room out in public. Okay, so you know that Jenny was on Amy Goodwin's campaign team. I don't, I don't know if you knew that, but I, she was. I knew she was a supporter, but I don't know who the team was. She was part of the team, right, Right, Jenny? I was not invited to the team meeting, so I don't know who was in the team. <laughs> well, okay, so Jenny was team Amy Goodwin. Um, I was team J.B. Akers. Um, and we actually hit each other on Facebook during that race. Um, but I think that, and the reason that we hit each, I mean, I think that we were like, okay, we've You're heard. saying HID, in case people are listening confused, you don't mean HIT. You didn't, no, yeah, we didn't right. hit. Yeah. No, we didn't do that. We right. hid yeah. uh, each other because we just couldn't really take listening to the other tout our um, our preferences or whatever. But. So I want to say to both of you, like, I, I know that their politics can get ugly. It can get nasty. It's very, very personal. It's deeply personal for the families. I know that, um, um, that you and your family, um, it was tough. Was that, was that a tough campaign to, to get through? Well, you know, I knew what was going to happen and I was, you know, I accepted it. So it didn't, you know, it didn't really bother me when I saw people making personal comments about me. Uh, but what does bother me, and I think bothers anybody, and I will say this, if we want to have maybe some good radio, so Jenny's sitting here right in front of me, yeah. I will say, number one, I'm glad that you're engaged. 
and you're paying attention because, frankly, I think a lot of people in the city of Charleston um, have gotten a little sleepy, or at least they did when Danny Jones was a mayor because he was a four-term mayor. You know, he just kind of steered the ship uh, you know, down the canal. I think people knew kind of what to expect from him, and they sort of stopped paying attention to the local city politics, I think. I don't mean completely. I think you're right. I don't mean completely, but I think they just sort of like— That was fun. Yeah, they kind of checked out and, and just assumed things are going to be run the same way. So— I think it's it's definitely a positive thing that Jenny got involved, regardless of what her political preferences were. And, you know, there are people, for example, I go to the gym in the mornings, and there are people who go to my gym who are Amy Goodwin supporters. And, you know, they were just positive pro-Amy, whether it's because they wanted the first female mayor or they, they're just hardcore Democrats. They never vote for a Republican, even if it's me and they like me. Uh, that's all fine. Now, what I will say with Jenny sitting right in front of me, so I'm not <laughs> talking about you behind your back. I think some of what you did in 2018 is part of the problem in politics. And I'll say it this way. Um, if you had just said you love Amy, you think she's the best choice, you don't like JB's policies, that's all totally fair game. That's all fair game. Uh, and that's what some other folks did. And I'm friends with those people to this day, and that's mm -hmm. fine. But I remember one video that you made that someone sent me, because I had friends who thought they were doing me favors. I'd say, look at this crazy video somebody made of you. <clears throat> and you made one where you stood in front of a dilapidated house, I think, and you said, this is what J.B. Akers wants Charleston to look like. And I thought to myself, what in the world is, is going on here? You know, I've got a family here. I've got a business here. You know, my wife was born and raised here. I have kids here. You know, I, I want to make this a better place to live. I mean, if I'm just selfish and, and I am a terrible person, I want this to be a better place for my family. So when you see stuff like that, that affects not just me. It affects my kids. It mm -hmm. affects my wife. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, because people are all, they would say negative things about my family. My business as a law as a lawyer is generally word of mouth, probably like yours is with your restaurant, word of mouth and people saying nice things about you. So if you come out and say that I'm a bad person, I look at that as that hurts my kids. So that kind of stuff, I'm not a huge fan of. And we, we complain sometimes. The reason why it matters is not because of me. It's because of continuing elections. And I think a lot of times we say, why don't better people run for office? We're the good people. How come you know, the, the nice people who are quote unquote normal, you know, aren't crazy about politics? Where are all they? And I think when they look at what happens on social media, by example, where people get personally attacked, not policy differences, but they're personally attacked. You know, today we call people Nazis. We, say, we say fascist. Yes. We say you want to murder people with your words. Yeah. Or you stand in front of an abandoned house and say, this guy wants Charleston to look like this abandoned house. That runs decent people off. So yeah, I think I think that I, I think that is a, a that is a problem. I think we can all do better with that. And I'm not perfect, but I do. Tr I try to stick to policy issues. Mm -hmm. So if we talk about Charleston politics tonight, I'm going to disagree with a lot of what Amy Goodwin supports, but not because I'm saying she's a bad person. Because I think she has some bad policy ideas. Not everything. She doesn't do everything wrong. Amy's got some wins. Mm -hmm. And I'll give her credit for things she does right. But um, I think that to the extent that, you know, we attack each other on a personal level, we can all do better with that. Yeah. And every, you know, we're all guilty of it. Republicans right. are guilty of it. Democrats are guilty of it. Uh, but that, when you ask if it's tough, I was prepared for people to say bad things about me. Mm -hmm. but, but people attacking on a personal level which affects my reputation in the yeah, community. In your business. Right. And right. some people say, well, maybe I don't want to hire this guy. He sounds like a bad person. Right. 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 Well, and, I mean, and, that's and, a good, that's a valid question. Why don't, I love that question. Why don't more good people run for office? Well, that's part of it. And, and you that's know. part of it. And you know, part of it is that the good people, we got jobs, you know, we've got day jobs, we've got yeah. families. Um, we've been working to build our families, to build our businesses and you've got another group of people that politics is their full-time job. That's their life. That's their career. Activism that's is what money. they do. Right. Right. And so, but then when you throw into the mix, the character attacks mm -hmm. and the threats, I mean, I, I'm not even a politician yet. Or well, You're running. But I'm yeah, running. Yeah. But before I was even running, um, there were horrible attacks that scared me. If you just even express your opinion about politics. And that's, yeah. that's the thing, too, is. You know, and I know this happened. I mean, you know, Amy, your groups that supported her, I mean, they sent people in to go through my tax records, my property records. My wife was a prosecutor at the time. Now she's a, she's a judge. They FOIA'd my wife's emails from her public job just to see if there were any, that. just to mm -hmm. see if she had any emails they could use against me in the campaign. I mean, so, and you know, again, that's part of what happens. But the point is, you know, my wife and I have been working here since 99 after school. 
And they couldn't find anything about us they could use against us. If they had, they would have used it. Right. right? We had no black marks against our names. I, hadn't, I didn't even have a crazy Twitter post in my history. Right. I mean, if you went back, I didn't have any bad social media posts. I had no bad public records. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife completely clean. And so all we did for 20 years was work and raise our kids and pay our taxes. And we were involved in the community. And it doesn't mean people agree with all my ideas, but we did things, quote unquote, the right way. Right. You know, we might disagree on some of the issues sometimes, right. but- you know, we were generally what I think that a normal person would say. We were a pretty good family. Mm-hmm. Like we're the kind of people that you hope is in your community in terms of working and contributing. We might disagree on stuff, but we're going to work together to figure out a solution. And then yeah. all of a sudden, as soon as your name goes on a ballot, yeah, it's you're you're oh. you're a piece of garbage. And right. I'm like, hmm, I didn't, I wasn't a piece of garbage 20 years before this, but now today now because I'm running for office, right? I and have a different we, set of ideas. And I think that's what we do too to make the choice easy. We get a little bit lazy on this too because if you dehumanize somebody and you say terrible human being right yeah or use the stupid descriptors we hear all the time now nazi fascist murder whatever then it means you don't have to listen to that person's ideas because you say well i'm not going to listen to that person's policy ideas right i mean someone just told me that they're a horrible human being so that's that's part of the the way you do it too is to delegitimize someone and sure it's a strategy it's it's Mm -hmm. no longer a policy debate so jenny you and i talked about that particular incident you remembered that video that he's talking that JB's talking. Well, it was about. right near the uh, one of your supporters was driving around with a truck, and in the back of the truck, it had a huge double-sided sign on it that he parked in front of that dilapidated house and was running in and out of it. So I had to. I mean, I just had to deduct that that was somebody that was endorsing you and and representing you. Was this a landlord? Of, are you saying that this this person owned this dilapidated house or it wasn't just it was an there? apartment building? Okay, people were living there. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, I have no idea who that person was. I had no idea who, who the house belonged to, but I can tell you this: you know, my phone number was out publicly. My personal cell phone number, my email address is available. You should have called me. You okay. Know. Fair enough. Okay. It's, all, it's always an option, right? Right, but I don't understand why you felt like that that was a personal attack when you're one of your supporters is parked in front of this and I'm saying, hey, look, his, you know, he, this, this is happening. You, your, your supporter with, I mean, it was okay, like let's monster move, size let's move on from that. right here. And let's move on from that then and say... Because actually, you're kind of doing the same thing you're, when you're yeah. making those posts on Facebook. You're you're kind exactly of right. Yeah, this is Amy's Charleston. You're right. And I mean, yeah. just you made a post the other day, um, you know, at, on the attack. So you know, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think that that was a personal attack. That was. You said, you said I wanted Charleston. Dog. You said I wanted Charleston to look like that dilapidated house, and I'm like, what in the world? You know, I've got a family and a business here. It's the last thing I want. And you know, I can't control all the people who supported me just like Amy can't either. She had supporters putting crazy stuff out during that election. Those weren't all her fault. Well, I mean, I think that if she has supporters and she's not calling them up and saying, back off, man, you know, that sounds like crazy town, then obviously, <laughs> well, but, you but, know. But you can't, I mean, you don't even know who all supports you. Like there'd be people who would post stuff online supporting me. I never heard of them my entire life. You know, I had a, had a guy who called me one time during the campaign. He said he wanted to get a group together to support me. He could get me a bunch of votes. I have no idea who the guy was. He said because he didn't think a woman should be mayor of Charleston. I said, I don't want your help. No, thanks. I mean, so right. if, if I got those kinds mm-hmm. of comments directly, I'd tell people. Right. But I'm not responsible for driving around making sure a guy who has my sign on his truck in front of a dilapidated house is taking care of his property. I mean, that's not my job. Right. Running for office. And I think in my. But that person is represent is. Uh, no, he's is, not. I don't even know who it was. Right. Well, I mean, he, I mean, I didn't have a campaign staff or a team. I'll tell you that right now. Right. I, mean, well, I, ran he, it. I mean, she didn't. I don't know how, who she paid and who she didn't. She, I was an unpaid volunteer for the Goodwin campaign that I was. Unpa- I wasn't paid. OK. I mean, I'm not responsible. Whoever it is you're even talking about. I have no clue who that person right. was. But, you know, and not to I mean, I'm sorry that I hurt your family's feelings. I'm sorry that I hurt it's your feelings. Her feelings. Or that had a negative effect on your business. The But. On the other side is like you're saying I could have called you. Well, why didn't you call me up and be like, Jenny, I don't want dilapidated houses. That's kind of bullshit. Uh, because I'd get all kinds of messages every day, and I'm not going to reach out to people who clearly you're on Amy's team. I'm, it's not my job to change your mind. If you wanted to talk to me, I would have. But you know, there were people posting stuff about me every day. I mean, people call me garbage online, and you just you just move mm-hmm. on past that mm-hmm. stuff. I don't. Ha- I didn't have time to go into every single person. I tried sometimes. 
there's like if someone messaged me directly, I'd respond to them. And occasionally in the beginning, when I would see people post things on Facebook, for example, Mm -hmm. I'd respond and say, hey, you want to talk about this? I'm more than welcome to. And then that would just actually turn to dial up in my experience, frankly. They would then just get more hostile towards me, and it actually had the reverse effect of calming things down or creating a conversation. So, frankly, by the time I saw you get involved, I probably was like, this isn't helpful, to, right. be, to be honest with you. Right. I right. mean, I had one guy, for example, who was saying all kinds of terrible stuff, never met him, and I, I responded to him directly. I said, hey, I'd love to have a conversation with you. And he just sent me back these toxic messages, you know. Yeah. And maybe he had problems or I issues. I know who that is. Well, <laughs> whoever it was, but you know, that happened multiple times. So I did try that in the beginning, I promise mm-hmm. you. And it just didn't work. So once people yeah. got entrenched and made their mind up a lot of times, there was no talking people out of that tree. Sure, so. sure. So, you know, politics, like you said on our first, uh, I think it was our first episode, it's personal, man. It is personal. I mean, when you're in, in it and... Um, and what if, so what have we learned? Can we talk about that one? Like, let's move, let's, that was the first big scoop. That's the first big scoop. <laughs> that was quite a scoop. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. man. Thanks for, I think we can all, thanks for putting it out and there. And look, he's here. I'm not That's, afraid to talk. I think, the cool, <laughs> I think the coolest thing about this is that he's here. And he's here talking to you. You're talking to him. You guys haven't, you know, we're willing to, we can converse like respectful human beings in a room even after, you know, such political divide. You know what I mean? Does right. that make sense? So I think it's a good thing. I think that speaks to your character. I think that speaks to your character. Oh, well, I mean, I was, in, I was in community meetings, you know, constantly back when I ran. And there were people in those meetings who disagree with me. I'd leave the meetings and people would be in the sidewalk confronting me. It's not, and I didn't have any, truthfully, I mean, you were watching the campaign. I don't think I espoused one radical view frankly, during that campaign. I mean, I was, I think, what most people consider to be a pretty moderate candidate mm-hmm. on the issues. But there was people who were very emotional in that election. And it was a high emotion it year, was too. Very, 20, yeah, 2018 was. was a high emotion year. All right, time out. Yep. I hate to, but uh, can we continue Ryan's this over scoop. there telling Second me to, scoop. I got, we're okay. going over time. We'll be right back. Stay right, we'll tuned. Move we'll move on. Scoop Squad Truth Squad is brought to you in part by T Graphics on Charleston's West Side. For 38 years, this Charleston-based business has provided in-house professional screen printing, commercial-grade heat transfers, very important to set us apart from the cricket world, and embroidery, promotional products, advertising, specialties, distribution, serving clients locally, regionally, and nationally, superior service, quality goods, and on-time delivery. Call 304-345-4816 or go to tgraphics.com. That's T-E-E graphics.com. And by Quinn Computers. With many of us working from home, connectivity is more important than ever. Let Quinn Computers and Spring Hill take care of all your computer challenges. Computer and laptop service, all brands. Network troubleshooting and repair. Wireless network, VPN installation and support. Security and firewall installation and support. Backup and recovery service, remote systems administration. www.quintechnology.com. That's www.quinntechnology.com. All right. Is still warm from being on the hot seat, and you are back for the second scoop of the Scoop Squad Truth Squad. And we've got I, we don't have ice cream in our hands. Oh no, I need a little ice for my ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> she said uh, ass on the radio. Uh, I don't know, um, girl. I know because we're it's a podcast. I can yeah. say whatever I want. You want. Um, so uh, she, I just want to reintroduce JB Akers. He's a former mayoral candidate, 2018. He ran. Uh, against the uh, current mayor, uh, Amy Goodwin. And um, if you didn't let, hear the first scoop, uh, go ahead and start the podcast all over mm-hmm. again because you, you should. Gotta get but, the first scoop. Um, JB came on, and um, I want to thank JB for talking to me about about that and the effect that I had on his campaign. Um, well, let's not make it too big. I mean, that was just, that was just one example. I didn't have other people in here to talk to who were also involved. So well, I understand that, but you know, I think that that, um, it does speak to that. Some strategies can have effects on people beyond just the political thing. I mean, you, you talking about your, um, 
your hat that did it have a negative effect on your business really well no i mean my business you know a lot of ways has done better since then because you know more people know who i am and there were a lot of people who are supportive let's not pretend like it was all negative i mean i got you know i got more votes i mean i lost that election but i got more votes than, than danny jones ever did during one of his elections i mean it was a big election year it was and, you know, one of the reasons why is because we moved the election to the same year as a federal election. Charleston city elections used to always be by themselves in the spring off year. And frankly, in some ways, it made it a more, uh, I guess, maybe maybe friendlier is the right word, but it was the only election on the ballot. You didn't get caught up in the down ballot issues like mm-hmm. Joe Manchin's race affected my race and the abortion amendment was on the uh, ballot that year affected my race deeply in Charleston. And it was a midterm election where the Republicans had the White House and Congress. So you knew it was going to be it was going to be a terrible year for Republicans, just like this year. Probably going to be bad for Democrats. Right. right Probably. Right. And, you know, Donald Trump was hugely unpopular in Charleston. If you look at the precinct maps, I mean, he gets killed in Charleston. Or he did get killed in Charleston both elections. So. So really, I mean, really, you were kind of behind the up. I feel like in looking at that, it was sort of a perfect wave for Democrats. It was great, and, great timing for Democrats. Yeah, and just look at city council mm-hmm. and how many Democrats were elected to city council at that time. Correct. Um, I think Trump definitely had... Huge effect. A, yeah, huge effect in Charleston. People came out to vote against Republicans in Charleston. Right, and then that one, like we were huge. talking about prior to, mm-hmm. uh, if for our listeners who don't um, no, it was a uh, Amendment One put limits on abortion. Well, Amendment One expressly says that abortion is not a constitutional right in the state of West Virginia, which had passed statewide, but it got crushed in Charleston and other places like Morgantown and Huntington. It didn't succeed, but it it, it passed statewide, but which it, opened the door for to what's coming up in this special. It's part session of what's going right on now. now, correct? Yeah. So uh, anyway, the stuff in 2018, we were talking off air for a minute. Yeah, I don't want to have a retrospective. This is not about that race. But I think stuff that happened in 2018 is instructive for this year's election as well. And you can tie it in for like to look at the timing issues, like you said. You can look at maybe some of the other stuff that's on the ballot, how that's going to affect the race. So 2018 can give us a glimpse into what maybe to expect this year. I mean, I would really love to take total credit for your loss. I mean, if I was that masterful in using social media. I wasn't wasn't trying to imply that, but I've already lost, so it doesn't matter if you want to believe that. that I'm not going to stop you. I don't believe that in any way, shape, or form at all. But I do think that you're, I would like to talk a little bit about the 2018 election, not to, to go backwards, but I mean, we've just met and, um, you're talking about the the perfect you know storm that kind of was working against you. Do you feel like the needle um, exchange that was occurring or alleged exchange? I, I feel like it was a giveaway in at the mm-hmm. um, health department. Do you think that that worked against you a little bit because Danny was such a supporter at the time of your campaign and just the. Well, that 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 became one of the most misunderstood issues during that campaign. And I will say this to her credit, you know, Amy and her campaign, I think, did a really good job. And I, this is 100 percent true. I didn't put up one Facebook or social media post about her. I didn't put up one ad about her at all. Now, there were third party groups that got involved in her race that did ads about her, just like there were third party groups helping her who did negative ads against me. But. I literally didn't even post on Facebook about that needle program for two straight months in the summer, which is an eternity in an election. Right. But when I knocked on doors, because I knocked on doors every single weekend from the time the general started and at least one, at least one night, weeknight a week. And I went to community meetings every week as well. And I was usually knocking on doors a couple nights a week. That was the most popular question I was asked. When I went to door, so you can't not talk about it. Right. It wasn't the main thrust of my campaign. When you look go back and look at my campaign stuff, if ever anybody wanted to, which they don't, my number one issue was economics mm-hmm. and in jobs. Right. That was the main thing I talked about. The needle thing happened in the middle of the race, kind of unexpectedly. And, you know, I didn't come out right away against that program. And as a matter of fact, when it first was um uh, born in 2015, the end of 2015, I supported it just like everybody in city council did unanimously because of what we were told it was going to be. And then in 2018, I, I mean, not to pat myself on the back too much, when it be, started to become a problem, and we heard it was a problem first from the firefighters. This wasn't a political issue at first. It was the summer of 2017 when the firefighters first started complaining to the administration saying, look, there's something going on in this city. We're finding needles everywhere. In every abandoned house we go into, it's on fire. This is a problem. And then the police got involved. 
So I FOIAed literally thousands of pages of documents from the health department, which no one else had done before. And I read them all before I came out and took a position. And what I found, the main reason, Jenny, I was against that program was not because I was against a, a syringe exchange, because the number one program goal was infection control, which everyone should be for that if it's done appropriately. Right. I don't want people to get infections. The number two program goal, they had four program goals. Number two was referrals to treatment. And when I FOIA the documents from the health department, which that health department's run by new people now, I'm not dumping on them today, but this was run by someone else back then. The number two program goal was treatment referrals. They didn't have one documented successful treatment referral after saying they had treated over 6,000 participants in two years. So it was a failed program mm-hmm. just by its own metrics. And, when, and you know what I've always said is, if you just hand someone syringes and continually give them syringes and say, I'm not going to judge you, you can do drugs, we love you, you know, here's your meth, here's your heroin, or we're at least not going to stop you from using it, you're eventually going to kill them. Oh, I agree with you. You can't, you can't, you can't do heroin or meth your entire life and live a long, productive life. The way you save someone is the hard work, which is a treatment referral, which everyone's not going to make it there. But the thing I said was, look, and I was involved in a program to try to have a recovery house built in Charleston at the time, a a big facility, which unfortunately never happened. But I was focused on the treatment side. And one of the narratives in that campaign that came up, which is, you know, I really regret was. Just somehow I was against substance abusers. I mean, I've got that in my family. Who doesn't these days? Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. But one of the hard lessons I learned is, is you've got to get people to stop using if you want to save them. So, well, people want have to want to stop using, period. You can't. Well, they do. But, yeah. But that program, what we were sold when the former director of the health department came into city council and everybody voted to, uh, to support that program, they said, look, the needles are the way you get them in the door and then you get them help. And the real help was supposed to be the treatment and recovery. That's what we were told. Which and there I, was none. And I think that's the truth. Right. Well, now right, there's right. a guy that's running for city council who's made it through the primary that was a part of that program, correct? He, he yeah, part of that, he actually went with that program director somewhere else, which I'm not going to name names and, and you know, I'm not going to backdoor people here on the, on the show. But, yes, there's a guy running for council who was part of that and then was part of a new group who came into Charleston operating – uh, clandestinely, I guess is the best way to say it. Solomon, yeah, right? pa- passing out needles in the West Side, which again, that's one thing that bothers me too. And I said during my campaign repeatedly is, I care about the marginalized communities in the city because I always said that the city will never rise until every community in the city does better. West Side, uh, you know, North Charleston. And where did that program, it was sore. I'm not afraid to say right. it. They, they love being public. Right. Where they hand their syringes out? On the west side? On the west side and the flats, which already had enough challenges. Well, now I've, I, um, I'm hearing reports that they're handing them out on the east end and in Canal City yeah. at this point. And, and the crime. Well, in they Canal have a City. church that al- was allowing it to happen for, yeah. you know. Wasn't you know the Unitarian Church was a, a a place for them to yeah. Do so that. anyway, I think that issue work. I think that issue did become something that some people attached to me is is me just not caring about substance abusers and spun out of control to some extent and and then some people who supported me just didn't they they took more hardline stance like this throw everybody in jail which was never my position I don't think you should throw a substance abuser in jail that's not the solution to that problem either mm-hmm. I think we have too many people in jail for that kind of stuff as it is I mm-hmm. mean they need to get help uh, so yeah that that was an issue but. If you look now, what happened, ironically, during the current administration, right? I watched this meeting on council. I don't watch every council meeting, but I watch some, and I watch this one. And the confusion in that council room when they were voting on what to do with syringes last spring, by the time they voted at the end, we were there, weren't we? People did. I was. I was in Florida. I was listening yeah. in, but people I, didn't I mean, know what they were voting on. No, they didn't. And and what happened was syringes are now more criminalized than they ever were under the prior administration. And this administration took a harder stance on syringes, I think accidentally Mm -hmm. because that got amended so many times during that meeting. No one knew or not everybody knew at the end what they were voting on. I never said to do what they did. I never said to to criminalize people just for syringe possession, for example. Right. And now it's, this city now is, is a worse place for people who are suffering from that issue than, than I ever proposed, ever. Mm-hmm. So it's actually gone the opposite way, mm-hmm. which is one thing I think. I think there are some folks on the left, This is we can talk about the, the current election, who I think may be upset with the current administration. And that might be one of the reasons why uh, is because of the criminalization of that behavior, which is, again, something even, I mean, I never said to do that. And when you look at the primary votes where um, Martise Washington was the primary candidate against Amy in, in the Democrat primary, you know, he got a thousand votes mm-hmm. out of about five thousand total. 
Amy got a thousand less votes than she did in 2018 in the primary, which we knew there'd be less enthusiasm this year. Like I expected the vote count to be lower. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he got a thousand votes, I thought was pretty significant because no disrespect to him, I would think most of those were probably protest votes. Mm-hmm. Against, uh, yeah. 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 Right? I would agree with that. So 20%. You know, twenty percent of the voters in your own primary, because Amy, she's she's a she's a base politician. She appeals to a base of people in a primary. She's a she's a popular. Like she crushed her primary in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. She, she you know she's a kind of candidate you expect to do well in a primary. Right. And the fact that she had twenty percent vote against in her primary, I thought was doesn't mean she's going to lose this year. I'm not saying right. that right now, but right. you know, I thought that was significant. And I think right. so, I think some folks on the left aren't really happy with uh, some well, of the policies. Well, I, agree well, with I that. think there's some people who have a little bit of buyer's remorse. Um, you know, I think a couple of issues that I'm hearing people have buyer's remorse about is just uh, the the massive amount of homeless that have, have come into the city, the drug, um, you know, the drug addiction that is crippling our city. I think our former supporters, I think you're right about the needle. I think that that, that ordinance hurt her, but now there's a state law that's, right. you know, pretty you know, tough anyway, but I think well, it's our, a our, result our, of what happened in Charleston. Yeah, it is. Well, our, our city law actually in a lot of ways is, is tougher than the state mm-hmm. law. So they actually made the city law worse. And it was a reaction what happened in Charleston. Like there was no statewide opposition to harm reduction or syringe service programs in the state of West Virginia. They had existed for about a decade before things got bad. And, you know, the DHHR in this state is a, is a solid supporter of harm reduction. The one in Huntington is still huge. The only program that was ever decertified in the state was the one at our Colonel Charleston Health Department because mm-hmm. it was so poorly run. Right, so, right. but that don't you agree that that is a result of of a poorly? You're right. It's a poorly. It was a poorly run program, and then they they did not bring the community along in their goal. There's no buy-in. There was zero buy-in, and now what they've done made it is, worse for everybody. Has made it worse for. For everybody, they, you know, it just, and I think that the um, firefighters had a legitimate complaint at that time. Um, Can we talk about the vagrancy for just a minute? Because I know you guys are short on time. Well, let's take our last break and then we'll talk about uh, the the vagrancy issues. And um, I think my seat's cooling down just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're with the Scoop Squad. Truth Squad, just one more second. Just before we leave, uh, we're with J.B. Akers, former mayoral candidate in 2018. And um, now he's just a good old country lawyer. Good country lawyer. That's right. Running his business. We'll Uh be back. Brought to you in part by Quinn Computers. With many of us working from home, connectivity is more important than ever. Let Quinn Computers in Spring Hill take care of all your computer challenges. Computer and laptop services, all brands. Network troubleshooting and repair. Wireless network VPN installation and support. Security and firewall installation and support. Backup and recovery service remote system administration and more at quinntechnology.com. The Scoop Squad is also brought to you in part by Geraniums Boutique at 1011 Bridge Road, shopgeraniums.com, and by T-Graphics. This is executive producer of the Scoop Squad, Ron Hughes, here to remind you that if you would like to tie your business with this popular podcast, really the only Charleston, West Virginia podcast that matters, you can contact me to advertise not only on our popular podcast, but also on the Facebook page as well. So just contact me, Ron Hughes, at ron.hughes, R-O-N dot H-U-G-H-E-S, at wvradio.com, or you could call me at 304 342 8131 and ask for Ron Hughes. All right, third scoop. We are back with the Scoop Squad Truth Squad. My seat is cooling down as to cool. I'm so glad you're more comfortable. She's comfortable now. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we got all that okay. hashed out and we're moving you forward. Know what? I'm fully for putting yeah. me on the put me on the hot seat. That's good stuff. Well, that's yeah. why you're doing this, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So we're with JB Akers and Ashley Switzer and me, Jenny, and we're off to our third scoop. We uh, have talked about needles. Now we're moving on to criminal vagrancy. And uh, JB wanted to talk a little bit about that. And, you know, I think you've got good perspective on that. Yeah. So that one, again, you know, not everything in Charleston is not negative. Let's say that, first of all. I mean, one of the reasons I ran for mayor is because I think this place has a lot of potential. So I, I do hate to kind of focus on what we consider the negative sometimes, which you talk about drugs and vagrancy, but you can't. 
you do have to solve those issues. You can't right. ignore them, right? And when I talked about trying to improve the economy of this place, a necessary part of improving the economy is making your downtown safe and clean. You just have to do that. Well, as a, when people come to travel, yes. I mean, I'm a, you know, I've done a lot of marketing in my life, and uh, first thing I always did was say, look, you got to have somewhere when someone walks into your business, it's got to be a place that somebody wants to be, so right. you can. Say you got all these big plans, but when you've got families come at soccer, right. I think about soccer moms. Like, right. what soccer mom's going to want to come in and, and let their kids stay in Charleston and then someone's, you know, hitting them up for money on every street corner well, I mean, and, Jimmy, and scaring what would you give, them? What, would you, what grade would you give? I mean, you, you said during your campaign that as a mayor, your number one job is to keep the citizens safe. What, right. what grade would you give the current mayor? I mean, you know the inner workings of of the mayor's office and, mm-hmm. and you know, the, know the, well. the power of um, the mayor and the power <clears throat> of council, like what grade would you get and whose responsibility is, I mean, whose responsibility does it ultimately fall in? Well, she's not here to defend herself. I wish she was here. I'd love to have a conversation with her. It won't well, happen. we'd just like yeah. to extend an yeah. invitation yeah. for yeah. Mayor Goodwin so, to come on. Yeah. So I, I don't want to sit here and, and say things about her when she can't speak for herself. But what I will say, so instead of giving a grade, what I will say is that I, I have grave concerns about our law enforcement uh, officers and um, and the, the job that they're required to do right now, primarily because, uh, you know, when the day Amy took office, Charleston is budgeted for 173 full-time police officers. Okay. Well, it's, I think it's 172 in the chief. Mm-hmm. So 173. And we had, we were one officer down the day she took office. You'll never probably, rarely be at 100%, 100% because someone retires right. or someone sure. gets a different job. But we were as close to full capacity as you could hope to be. We were one down. And we've been about 20 down now, uh, mm-hmm. around 20 down this for several so years, several years. And this started during her administration. So if she wants to say it wasn't her fault, she can say that, I guess, and she can defend that position. I'm not sure you don't take that because she's she is the chief law enforcement officer in west virginia mayors are statutorily the chief law enforcement officer which is how they that's why they get to pick their chief of police so the police department is her direct responsibility and i'm not dumping on the police chief either i mean he's got a department Don't you to run think that's problematic well it's probably think it's problematic for the mayor to for for me it just like for the mayor to be able to appoint what then wouldn't it does politicize no, I'm the police chief. I was gonna say doesn't it politicize that position to some extent I mean you know you hope that the mayor won't do that but it's hard you know the police chief has become a political figure I mean his this. job yeah, depends like, on her being happy yes. and, and, right but and I think success. it's probably like state positions right you've got a whole force of people who've been there. A long time. Yeah, but probably. you can. Yeah, but you can do things like I'm not saying this is happening, but you can do things like you can pick and choose your leadership within the department as well. Sure. So that happens. Sure. So, you know, my concern is that we've been consistently around 20 down. I think the response might be, well, it's hard to recruit law enforcement officers, and there's some truth to that. But you know, who is not having a problem being fully, uh, full, having a full force right now? For example, is our sheriff's department in Kanawha County. Right. St. And, Albans and what, is almost at full well, capacity. Well, yeah. we, we just lost a Charleston police officer a few weeks ago to St. Albans. And St. Albans is a great little town, but Charleston PD should not be losing police no, officers no, in St. Albans. Not. We're losing officers to the uh, to the state police. We're losing officers to the sheriff's Why department. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there's a couple things. Uh, I mean, if she were here, we could have a discussion about whether there's if officers feel like there's support from the administration. Uh, but, you know, they aren't getting the same pay, for example, the sheriff's deputies are. Now, there have been some pay increases, but they're still not making they as much as a comparable right. sheriff's deputy. Well, they voted down a pay They voted increase. down a $10,000 pay. Yes, they said they couldn't make that in the budget, which I've got a bunch of budget numbers. If we have more time, we could talk about them. But um, the problem with that is that if we talk about like a vagrancy issue, we don't have enough patrol officers, I think, to effectively be on the streets at all times. I agree. And, you know, we have massive overtime uh, pay right now, yes. right now as well, mm-hmm. and which... It's good for the officers if they want it, but that shouldn't be required. That should well, not be required. And should police officers, I mean, should that's they be wor- Should they be working overtime? I mean, I mean I'm I, sure they want the, it. But one, of, one of the officers on my case that worked on my car when it was stolen, I mean, he was going on 36 hours. I mean, that's. They don't have time to handle the stuff that they, you know. If, if then, then things like your quality of life crimes, right? Th- that's when those things start to get ignored because they don't have the time of day to right. handle those. Sure. So when we talk about vagrancy, if you don't have a fully, uh, you know, full police force. 
And, you know, of course, we have some people on our city council, which I'd like to get into that quickly if we can, too. Sure. Our city council doesn't have any balance right now. Like, our city council shouldn't be Amen. hard right. Our city council shouldn't be hard left. I agree. This is a fairly moderate city. We lean Democrat in Charleston. Our voter registration is still close to 50% Democrat, about 24% Republican, the rest independent. So it's a more Democrat city, but we're still a pretty moderate population of voters here. But our city council is out of balance with our, our voters in the city uh, of Charleston. Jamie, I was going to ask you, what when you were a city clerk and the way you saw city council operate, like how, how would you compare and contrast that to uh, what you see with what, council today? What I would say quickly is, you know, Danny Jones supported me, but Danny and I could not be more different personality-wise in a lot of ways. I mean, he supported me because of my politics, not because of anything else. He knew I was a public safety economics first guy. And, you know, Amy went in and asked for his endorsement before she announced she was running. He turned her down. And then he became well, he a came ba- out and then, then he be- yeah he did not but she, that's when he became a bad mayor during that election she said um, and that's just true I'm not talking about her back that's right. what happened but 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 he, he did he, endorse he still I mean he has said to me I don't understand why he didn't win I mean he just thought you were the perfect this is a great candidate well there's a lot of things and again I, I'm not going to take anything away from her and some of the good things she did campaign wise but the timing was great for her too I think um, the timing was great yeah it was but when you talk about uh, I'm trying to talk quickly balance, to address your right, point. Right. The balance in, in what council used to be like. I will say I brought up Danny because he could be a little authoritarian sometimes. There were some council meetings I didn't really appreciate the way. If he was here, I'd say it to him. I'd mm-hmm. say it to his face and I said, I said, you know, these people are your friends. You know, you shouldn't always shouldn't always talk quite like this to him. And he didn't need my advice and he wasn't going to take it. He could be a little rough sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also was always trying to move things along. He didn't want meetings to go on forever, and he wanted to get work done. So that's why he he did that. He could just be a little rough around the edges. I can but, appreciate but, that. But city council members were exceedingly respectful to each other in the years. And I was city clerk for several years. Mm-hmm. They were exceedingly respectful. You rarely saw city council members personally attack each attack other. Each other. The they might stand up and say, I disagree with this. I think this is dead wrong for our city. They would never personally attack someone. And if they did, they'd be called out of order immediately, mm-hmm. and they should have been. I've watched some council meetings now, and I am frankly, I think, disgusted is the right word to watch what happens inside of them. The way some of these council members talk to each other, mm-hmm. the accusations they make against each other on a personal basis, it's terrible to watch. That's been a hor- it's, To me, it's a big turnoff. Yeah, it is. And it's another thing that makes people not want to be involved at the right. local level. Because if they, if you see your elected representatives acting that way, why in the world would you want to go be part of that environment? Right. Well, and then plus, I think for I mean, I I think that's unfortunate because city council is really where one of the reasons why I ran is because you that's where you can really do good things for your community, yeah, you, right? Yeah, it's, that's it's your, the neighbors. Point. your neighbors. Yeah. So, and you're in a room with your, yeah, neighbors. With your neighbors. It's not like I don't I don't get why people are so serious. I, I don't know where this divide came from. About really like don't. this is new. This did not exist yeah. before. And again, I'm not saying people never got upset or got their feelings hurt, but the personal attacks didn't exist before. Well, and it's like this. Um, what's been surprising to me is the. Um, just the national t- like turn oh, that right. that's happened, you know, like Joe Solomon almost, I think he raised approximately $14,000. Emma Pepper raised like 20,000 pro- close, close to 20. To 20 most of the, most of those donations were from somewhere else. Yeah. Right. I mean, Joe, right. I had a, a on a, city council. I mean, that's a, where I mean, we want national politics. Opponent like, has already raised $12,000. It's like, it's an, it's an activist network. And yeah, it's people city, don't, it's people, You could have a whole other episode on this. People don't realize how embedded of an activist network there is in this city. And, and again, oh, there, there's, that's the there, truth. There, there's, there's not a far-right activist network in this city. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really want there to be. Like, I'm not for... Right. Know, there is a definite left. There, there is a definite far-left activist network. And it's part of what's caused us to go out of balance. And our voters really need to pay attention to who they're voting for and what the balance of our council is. Because it needs we need it. To some more moderation, frankly. Right. We need people on council, in my opinion, that are focused on making Charleston, West Virginia, a place that we want to work, mm-hmm. play, live. Well, that Jenny, retire that's, why, from, that's why you and I ran. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I saw my, our friends Shannon Snodgrass, Janine Fagri, um, Pat um, Jones. You know, uh, Adam Knopf. I saw all those people, and those are Democrats. Yeah. I mean, Adam's well, I'm seeing right. people in my but community, and you know they need they need support. Yeah, they they do need support. Well, and their, and their views again. You're not going to find one extremist on city council to the right, and the people no. you just mentioned. I mean, most of them are Democrats. Like 
you know, we don't have people who are far right extremists on our Charleston City Council, but right. you know, but there's a there's a definite strong activist network here who, if you just say something like, "I think we need a stronger police presence in the city," then they will immediately, right. yeah, they'll immediately use some ideological term right. to describe you, right? right? I mean, and that that's a main like you can have a mainstream view. And I've been surprised by that as someone who endorsed Amy, who helped with her campaign, who helped, you know, I have been shocked by the turn of events that have occurred well, over the last four years. I'll tell you real quickly, again, recognizing she's not here to defend herself. She enlisted the help of an activist group. And you know, I'm not saying that's wrong or right, but she enlisted the help of an activist group of people to help her win that election in 2018. She and, sure, she did. And those people weren't doing that for fun. I mean, right. they, they expect they something in return. They, right? Right. they right. expect something and in return. And she wants to get reelected. Right. And I had, you know, I had people who were business people in this town who wanted certain things to happen. They would ask me, do you support this? And if my answer was correct, that might support me. But, you know, those people who support her, who are extreme far left activists, that's just what they are or who they are. You know, they expect, they expect her well, to. How, right. How many people did uh, Courtney Persinger Salas was paid lobbyists. Oh, five. I think current council members are actually they're they're paid lobbyists. They're re- they're registered Caitlin lobbyists. Caitlin Cook with is the one. State. She lobbies for the LGBTQ community. She lobbies for the um, I, a food group, a food insecurity group. I okay, so that was called. wrong. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. But well, we'll, we'll get it straight. Right. Who they well, are. Well, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Caitlin because she's the one that put forth the um, conversion therapy bill. Um, that that council voted on, right? Um, but 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 anyway, go back to if we can quickly yeah. circle back to sure. the vagrancy and the mall because yeah. I do want to touch on this, and and you have some insight yeah, on that. Yeah, those two things are connected. Uh, again, not focusing on the negative, but if you want to solve some of your business issues, you have to address things like vagrancy. And one of the things I talked about in 2018 that I think still remains true today is if you want people to come shop in your downtown mall, they have to want to be in your downtown. And, you know, I kept hearing excuse after excuse the past couple of years about malls across America are dying. Well, that's true for some, but you can drive 40 minutes west of Charleston and the Huntington Mall is at near capacity. And the Charleston Town Center was built to be a tourist destination for the state. People, and we can laugh at them if we want, but there are a lot of people from Sissonville and Elkview and places like that who don't want to come to downtown Charleston to shop. And I don't think they're in mortal fear. They're just like, I don't want to deal with the hassle. Like I don't, my I, mom does yeah. not is lives in Scott Depot. She yeah, does not. They're, they're driving want, to Barbersville, which yes, is crazy. Right. It's crazy. It shouldn't right. be happening. So I said then, I believe now, the way you you help that mall is you've got to make your downtown welcoming, inviting, and make people feel feel safe. And you know, we we were all hands on deck. I think I'll give her a win here. The regatta went well, which mm-hmm. I think we all thought that it probably would. First big party since COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was How a ca- could you lose? It was a campaign issue in 2018. It wasn't a unique idea. A lot of people wanted it back, at least in some form. So, But that shows what you can do when you really make an effort to clean up your downtown. You Things can go well. Now, right. what they did, though, is they just pushed those vagrants to a different part of town. I know mm-hmm. where they went. And now they're coming back. Like they weren't sleeping on uh, the show and bomb stage during uh, the regatta, but they're sleeping there again now. Right. So, or on. Um, I come down Bridge Road and I see them all on right. the, the stage. And, and it's no slam on those folks. Some of them are harmless and need help. Right. But the fact is, it's still a vagrancy issue. And the mall, uh, you know, we were told the mall is going to be transformed in 2018. And with the current administration, we were told it was going to be this magical place and all new things would happen. Yeah, it's and a it's, magical it's place. It's gotten worse. And, you know, the downtown area has not, I mean, Slack Plaza's fine, but that also, that money had been set aside by the prior administration. That was old money that was used for Slack Plaza. Uh, so that's nicer for now, but can you maintain that? Yeah. Can you, can you maintain that environment? We won't take our grandkids to the alleged sla- Splash Park. I mean, I don't want them walking around without mm-hmm. the shoes on. I mean, ugh. Yeah. you know, I... I um, you know, I'm hearing that I heard from a, a constituent when I was running for office that lived across from the Magic Island, and they can't even take their dogs down to Magic Island to run and, and play because there's feces and, and needles and stuff. So, yeah, people like some people act like that's a myth, but it's real. I mean, those things are out there. It is. We, well, take, well, we used yeah. to take our grandkids um, who live in Parkersburg. We used to take them, love to take them down to the boulevard and walk. And we won't even do that anymore because it right. smells. But it, you're right, JB. The, so activists, pe- the, acti- the activists in this city are the ones that tell you that you're not compassionate if you speak out against 
you know, being unsafe or needles. They'll tell you, they'll call you the names. They'll tell you that you're not seeing what you're actually seeing. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I think one of the solutions out there for the, for our listeners is to like inform yourself with yeah. who you're voting for. Well, and you've got right? to realize too, I mean, listen, there are some very decent kind hearted people who get involved in those issues who want to help v- people who are vagrants or homeless people who want to help people in substance abuse. They're not all bad people, right. obviously, but and we could have another episode on this. There is money involved in that. It's, oh, absolutely! It, it's, an, it's an industry. I coined a, it's a an industry. Tell them your phrase. Profiteers. Yeah, I mean they and, they they do, and they're gaining national tell attention. Tell us, JB, how they the make backs. money off of the po- of poverty. Well, that we can talk about the needle exchange at the health yeah. department is a perfect example. That program, its first year it was open, had ten thousand dollars in grants. By year two, it had five hundred thousand dollars in grants. By year three, it was headed for seven figures in grants. And so uh, you start to make money off those. And once you embed that issue in your community and you start getting grant money or foundation it money, have to keep it up. then it just, you keep that and cycle And you travel going. around the country and you talk about how Charleston is a, how, a, a city of pain and they need to You make your city look it. worse to get more money for a problem that you've helped create. And when we look at things like, they, uh, you know, there's activist groups are supporting, you know, free housing, the, the construction of free housing in Charleston for vagrants uh, or, or homeless or people on the streets people without homes, however you want to describe that population. And even though we're being told we have less homeless in the city by the administration, as we've been told, but we're supposed to build build more housing. An activist group says we need a thousand new units at a minimum. And one of the groups that wants to build some of the new free housing, of course, there's money involved in that. I mean, if if you're an executive director, you'll make money. You can hire people to work for you. So at the root of it, unfortunately, people have to to watch and see that there's actually money involved in a lot of this. You know what? I I am probably, you know, I've done a lot of volunteer work with a lot of organizations. I I volunteered at Manamil. I don't need to give my resume to the listeners. I mean, if you want it, you can contact me on Facebook, Jenny Burns Reiser, but... um, you know, it is one. It is one thing to try to help your community. It's a whole other thing to come outside from our community and move in and bring an all these issues <laughs> mm-hmm. along with you. And you create the problem, and then all of a sudden you're you the only solution, right. and you're not going to listen to the community. And Charleston isn't dumb. We right. are smart. Got to pay attention, kind. and we're paying atten- we're we starting pay attention. We're starting to pay attention. I think yeah. you're right, JB. I think well, we who were would have known? Comfortable for a long time. Yeah. You know? I mean, we're smart. We're kind. Yeah. People give the shirt off your back. That is, I mean, we are a, a, a good group of people. And the one thing that really, really makes me mad is when I sit in meetings, and all of a sudden it turns to, well, you're not. You are. You don't care. You don't care about these right. poor people, and you know what? That's just untrue. I don't know one person. I'm going to get fired up right now, but <laughs> I do not know. Not at me. I like it. One <laughs> person. I literally don't know one person that lives in West Virginia that has not been negatively affected by the drug epidemic that has mm-hmm. occurred. Yeah. I don't. No, if I know anyone that doesn't know somebody that hasn't had an overdose or yeah. at least right. known somebody whose family member died of a drug overdose. So to create a narrative that people in West Virginia or people in Charleston are, are not, not compassionate. compassionate just, it's just not truthful. No, we're drowning in compassion here. Man, we, we are. are. We yeah. are. And I, I think that... It, that narrative has just, I've been in a meetings where I've gotten fired up about it again. Cause it yeah, just, it's a, well, this is the truth squad. Yeah. And the truth so is this, the truth that, is that we are that Charleston is not a care. city of pain that right. we can thrive, that we can, um, you know, running us into the ground so you can make money is just not there's, what I'm for. There's, there's gotta be a balance. Just like I heard you all talking before to another guest about how, you know, during the pandemic, You've got to take care of people from a public health standpoint, but you can't shut down everybody's business either. There's got to be a balance there. Right. When we talk about things like substance abuse, you can't just say it's going to be a free for all and people can you know use drugs and steal and hurt right. people and you can't do anything to them because that's not compassionate. You have to have a balance there. You've got to protect. Right. And that's one of the things I've always said is you got to protect the whole community. The whole right. community. You've got to foot. You got to help everybody when you can. But when it comes down to if someone's going to break into a seventy-eight-year-old woman's house right. to steal because they have a unfortunately a drug habit or a substance abuse problem, 
if my choice is sorry, you're getting you're going to jail versus you're going to hurt this old lady, then I'm like it's an easy choice in that situation. Right. Sure, sure. And that's there's not a lack of, of compassion. Pe- right. No, and who are and there's plenty of people who have worked their entire lives to retire in this community and they are facing those mm-hmm. issues. I, I heard it when I was, you know, on the campaign. And I just want to also clarify, like I always do, that not all criminals are homeless. Not all the people that you see on the street yeah. or that are stealing things off your porch are downtrodden homeless people. Some of them go to a home. Mm-hmm. Some of them, you know, are doing, you know, making that. Some get dropped off in vehicles because I've seen it. I've seen it too. I yeah. was at Drug Emporium one day and a car, four people in a car got out. They went to every corner of Patrick Street and there was a guy that ha- came out with them and handed them props. Yeah. Wow. That's the day I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Never <laughs> again. I'm never, ever again giving any of these pranksters yeah, money. We're probably getting short on time, but I'll tell yes. you one quick story. There's... um. Because my office is right across from the public library, which is now reopened again. But before it closed for renovations, it was obviously a place where a lot of people who live on the streets would go spend their days. And I got to know some of them. I mean, again, these mm-hmm. false narratives people spread about one another are ridiculous. Like some of these guys uh, would come to my office and, you know, if I knew them, I'd help them out. Yeah. And I'd buy them food and talk to them and see how they were doing, ask them questions. And they were you know, nice people. Some of them were really smart for whatever reason they were on the streets, you know, had used to have jobs and I got to know about their lives and they're the ones who got hurt first. Right. So I told right. if, if liberal people would listen to me in 2018 and I'm still say it, I used to say to them, who do you think gets hurt first? Who's victimized Okay. Here? It's the people on the streets. This one guy I got to know, which still makes me sad. I don't know what happened to him, but he told me within a month, his backpack was stolen twice and I helped him both times it happened to him. He came to my office to talk to me and everything he owned was in his mm-hmm. backpack. And he, I said, who's doing this to you? And he said, I don't know. He said, they're just new people from out of town. I and they're, the they're, they were thing. younger guys. They're always in their twenties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost always white men who are able-bodied in their twenties yes. who are coming here and taking advantage. And they, they sexually assault women on the streets. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell liberals, I'd say, if you care about our homeless population, you've got to address this problem because the first line of defense are the other people in the street and they're the ones who get hurt first and they're the ones who get hurt the most. Okay. So ignoring vagrancy or saying that you're not being compassionate. If you think that we should, you know, enforce some sort of rules, right? you're hurting the folks you claim you care about. And frankly, I'm just going to say it, you're a fraud and a phony. And I don't, I don't care about your opinion. If you say that we can't have some type of rules in place, because the people who need help the most are the ones who get hurt first. Yes, Absolutely. The truth. Well, I could not, I, I Jamie, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I had I had um, a few folks that would come into my shop when we were on West Washington Street, and I, you know, we they come and get a free meal, give them a place to you know, read the paper, just hang out for a little while. And um, around that time, they were in 2018. They were saying the same things that they were having to carry weapons on them. Yeah, now this guy slept with a knife in his hand every night. Yeah, and he, this guy wouldn't hurt a fly. Yeah, it, same with me. They it was a new experience for him. They said new people were coming into town and take you know stealing from them and and beating them up. So, um, and I agree with you there. That's a whole other episode that I, right. I want to touch on at some point. Is the sexual. Um, it's horrific. Yeah, the sexual assault that's occurring on the streets. The sexual. Um, you know, enslavement that is right. happening in the city. I'm going to say it. Now, there, uh, these this, women are being used for in a drug trade around here. Yes, 100. Yeah. percent So that's a whole other. <laughs> well, Charleston, there is hope, right? I mean, there, is we, hope. there is hope. You got, you got to make some change, though. You've got to get some balance changes. in your, your state government. We've got vote for me, Ward 14. <laughs> that's the first thing you can do if you're up there in Ward 14 yeah. is vote for me. Even if you think you know what you're going to do, I mean, at least check out all the candidates. I mean, look at Lance yes. Wolf's page. I mean, read Amy's stuff too. I'm not saying to ignore her, but I think we know what she's about. But you got to look at Lance's stuff and see if he might have some cho- some options for you. Look at all the city council candidates. Pay attention to your city council. Pay attention. Yeah. Well, Pay this attention. is our community. And I, again, um, think that if, you know, I'm engaged I, I mean, I just, I think I'm curious so I, and I like this kind of stuff, but I'm engaged because I think it's important to our city that everybody engage, is engaged. That if you live in a community yes. that you can't just assume that the, your leadership is going to lead you in the direction that you want to walk in. And I think it is. You if you don't like the way things are going, then don't yeah. be, don't be apathetic. And if you are apathetic, then that's, it's your own. Right. Don't complain. 
you know. Yeah. I wish we had a bunch more time. There's lots of stuff yeah. to talk about. One of the things I have a major concern about, which we can't even get into, are some of the budgetary issues in the city. Uh, you know, I think that we look like we're okay now because of all the federal relief money we have. But I mean, if you look at our, our, the history of our budget in this city, how we're going to maintain, I mean, if we look at whether we can even continue to pay the same number of police and firefighters and other, like our street workers who are vitally important, our sanitation workers, I have concerns about whether we can keep paying them or keep them fully staffed in the future as well. Can we bring you back? I'll come back. Would you come well, back? If Jenny will let me. <laughs> I think I, if you'll come back, I'll let you. We I would love, love, you. To, have I'd love you back. to have you back. You're I was actually excited that you were you agreed to come on. Come on. I'll go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't have to feed you. I know. I might, Next time uh, we'll have ice cream. We uh, will have ice cream. I had a bottle of water, so I'm good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you guys have uh, listened. Spent another. That was great. JB, thank you for spending the time scoop. with us. Yeah, and thanks, JB. I really appreciate it. And this is exactly what we want. This is what we need. Well, I mean, we all have opinions. I try to talk about facts as much as I can. I know yes. people might pick apart some of what I said and say, oh, it's just JB's opinion. But I try to go with what's actually happening and say, look, this is what the truth is. And uh, you, know, you shouldn't disagree on what's true. We might right. disagree, can disagree on the solution how right. to fix things right. but we should both agree on the truth and the truth is the city has some structural issues that need to be addressed it's a wonderful place to live and raise a family but it that doesn't mean it's guaranteed to be forever well and that's a whole other yeah. other episode is just the infrastructural mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. well i mean structural should, on all layers of government right. yeah that yeah. too yes the infrastructure yes. issues that that are good money could be spent on creating an actual city that works and that is including the sewer lines yeah that's our biggest liability no one knows that nobody pays attention to it it's huge now we do now we do yeah we'll come back on and share some more truth all right guys well thanks for listening thanks for having me on i really appreciate the time to talk yeah we are so honored that you guys uh, spent your time with us and uh share it with your friends subscribe and share with everybody thank you all for doing this it's important Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for coming on. We couldn't do it without you. Yeah, we love it. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week with the Truth Squad. Scoop Squad. Squad. Rebroadcast, retransmission, or transcription is not permissible without the expressed approval of Scoop Squad Truth Squad. Copyright 2022 Scoop Squad Truth Squad.